We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast. This is episode 215 of the pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso coming at you. Uh, with a Tuesday recording here, again, scheduling on the summer here remains fluid. I will be making my way back to the greatest city on the face of this planet and uh, buy or sell, greatest city in the universe. Buy. Buy it. Got to buy it. Uh, yeah, I got some celebrations here over the weekend. Um, got some things to get to and just want to say hello, see the family. So uh, Moose and Runes listeners going to get more of a buy or sell centric episode here with a little bit of the preview of the things that are uh, to come here in the week. But before we dive into any of it and all of it, Matt Rooney, how the hell are you? I'm doing good. I, you know, I like when we do these buy or sell episodes. I feel like it just kind of gets us to you. We get to do a quick, you know, spray chart of all the topics. Straight to brass We get packs. to go in and out. I like it. We just, we, we're no gray area. Getting right to the details. I like that. But I want to congratulate both of us while we didn't pick any outrights uh, at the British. Mm-hmm. If, if you took some of our top five, top ten advice. Uh, I think you made a little bit, of, a little bit of cash. A little we, bit of cash. Uh, I think both both my picks were top tens. You obviously had speed at, at two. Rosie had a nice little little run there for the first uh, first couple of days, but did mm-hmm. not did not again. Three out of four ain't bad in the top. 10 yeah, no, we were we were on uh, we were on some of the bigger names up at the top of the leaderboard there. A thrilling week, culminating in a Colin Morikawa Open Championship. Um, let's dig into it all here, Matt. That seems like a good starting point of the conversation i think uh you possess a buy or sell in that vein do you not yeah i do buy or sell that colin morikawa is the best iron player since tight woods he was just on fire with those irons all weekend yeah everything i mean, I mean it was just, his swing kind of like it blows it messes with me a little bit because the back is so slow but man it's a pretty finish and he was just he was was not missing with those irons all week trying to win the wins like it is to least he's on fire um uh, just first and foremost, I buy it. He is. I know that could be a little bit of recency bias here, and you could bring up certain players. I mean, Spieth back in that 2015 run um, was pretty infallible with his irons. But just in terms of like the consistency with which Colin Morikawa has done this, um, his statistics are starting to bear out Tiger-like things. And if we want to just dial it right into the iron play, yes, it's the best on the planet right now. Um, the metrics will show you that. The advanced statistics will show you that. The TrackMan data will show you that. His dispersion, um, like we said last week with the six iron all the way through his wedges, will show you that, that he is the best on the face of the planet striking irons right now. And we got to see that bared out through a full statistic, or excuse me, through a full tournament this week. Um, Honestly, over, he had a shaky start on Thursday, but his final three days, there might have been two mishit irons. Um, and the thing that we always are critical of Morikawa with is the putter, and his putter was not only serviceable, it was the best in the field, and I think sort of what you're asked to do in terms of putting at an Open Championship definitely helps level the playing field. They're not stimping out to 14, and it's not maybe the putting ask that other major championships are, but his putter was simply fantastic. I believe there was a big par save at 15 on Sunday um, after one of his handful of missed iron shots. He kind of blew it long right, um, hit an amazing uh, approach shot, and then made like a 20-footer to save par. Like, it's those moments that define a major championship. There might not have been the John Rom birdie birdie 
fist pump where it's punctuated that way, but it was punctuated throughout the week by just consistent play out of Colin Morikawa. And if you look at his statistics now, uh, I believe he is a 10-time winner through, or excuse me, he's a five-time winner through 50 events, so he wins every 10th event. He's got a 10% win rate right That's now, which is kind of mind but kind of mind-boggling. Uh, he's got a 20% win rate at the majors. He's now won two major championships through eight major starts. He becomes the first player in the history of the sport to win more than one tournament, excuse me, more than one major in a start. He won the PGA Championship his first ever time playing the PGA. Now, that was a weird thing with no fans at TPC Harding Park, but he's the winner. You cannot wipe that from history. He wins the Open Championship at his first ever start at the Open Championship, so he becomes the first player to win two uh, major championships in his maiden voyage at those events. So just really unbelievable stuff. He also, I mean, I could rattle off the statistics here, but becomes the first player since Bobby Jones uh, to have two major championships in eight or less starts. So we're talking about somebody born in 1906. Uh, He is literally doing things that have not been seen in the modern era of golf, even by Tiger Woods. And now we always use Tiger Woods as that measuring stick and that barometer. Will will he possess a win rate of 25% for a four-year span? No. He's not going to do things that Tiger Woods did. I, I'd argue that no one in our lifetime will. Um, we've had that conversation before. Maybe someone special comes in down the road. Maybe he's just a twinkle on somebody's eye right now. But with what Colin Morikawa has done, it's not only time that we start regarding him as game hunters when it comes to this um, when it comes to these major moments but he is the picture of consistency uh, right now on tour and I think it was really interesting to look at these guys uh, as mirror images of one another watching Jordan Spieth try and chase down Colin Morikawa but Colin Morikawa being the picture of consistency not allowing that to happen nothing about Jordan Spieth while the results of Jordan Spieth's game might be consistent the swing never it's feels good. It's a roller good. coaster. It's, it's a, a roller, roller coaster. coaster. His, his balance is off. He's talking to it in the air. He hates it. He loves it. Colin Morikawa is just, just find the center of the face each and every swing. Go make your par. Maybe make your birdie. And it really, really is the type of golf you want to play at major championships. And we're seeing the result of that being two trophies in a really short span of time, 11 months uh, it was funny. One of our analysts, uh, Rick Gaiman, we had Colin Morikawa on the First Cut podcast uh, about a year and a half ago, right before the pandemic. And they introduced him as winner of the Barracuda Championship. Well, 11 months later, he's a two-time major champion, and his consistency is really the the main reason for that. So I could not buy it more that Colin Morikawa is really not only the greatest iron player in the game right now but probably the greatest we've seen since tiger woods yes i buy it i mean i'm kind of is this those majors are the winner of the barracuda championship that's a really cool tournament to win right that's a that great was, that was like, just like setting great. him up for i won the him british and the pga but i also won the barracuda, the barracuda. championship and no he must have scored <laughs> 15 times during uh during that answer but consistency was the word for morikawa it, it was he wasn't doing anything overly spectacular it was just i'm in the middle of the fairway i'm getting to 10 feet i'm making the putt or i'm tapping in for part there were really no big mistakes and the one time on the, i think it was 15 but on the back where he kind of had to scramble for a par he pretty easily scrambled for a par and it was just he needed to make a big mistake for jordan to overcome his and mm-hmm. he just didn't and it was and it, it really it was methodical like, it seemed it really a lot s- like uh sorry i'm gonna cut you no, no, you're fine. it seemed a little bit like 
it was, I think it was two years ago when it was Molinari versus Tiger and Tiger trying to come back, kept trying to make these shots. Yeah. And Francesco Molinari was just, that's, that's really nice. I'm within, I'm it's, you know, in the middle of the fairway, I'm seven feet and I'm either making the putter tapping for par. And there was just not a mistake. There was never a mistake for Morikawa. And it was really impressive. No, to watch. No, and he's 25 and years old, 24 years old. It's insane. When you say um, when you say he didn't do anything spectacular, I balk at that a bit because yeah, but he was, probably phrased that the wrong way. But you know, it wasn't he was as spectacular as it gets with the irons. But we take that for granted if a guy's not you know stopping one next to the hole. Spectacular, not only in the way he was striking his irons, but the decisions he was making. He wasn't necessarily attacking pins and hunting pins, and he didn't have to. He was. He was holding the field at bay because he had already built his lead, which kind of brings me to a little bonus buy or sell for you, Matt, here at the Open Championship. Buy or sell, Jordan Spieth lost that tournament Saturday, 17 and 18. Oh, yeah, 100%. That was – it was um, good Good friend of the podcast. Actually, Sean O'Connor was, was got, got married on Saturday. I was, I was watching that kind of before heading out to the festivities and such, and I was, was texting some people on the bus, giving them updates on what was going on. It was just – uh, Matt Seigert, I gave a text to, you know, Jordan just missed from two feet on 18 and he bogeyed. And he's like, yeah. going to be really funny when that comes into play tomorrow and he loses because of that putt. While he did end up losing, I think it was by two shots, it's because he had to be chasing that that kind of caused him to try and go after some stuff. That's a, where he lost the tournament. He lost from his, Not saying he would have won it otherwise, but he no, would have been closer. He would have had a chance on 18 if you just but, make your two-footer. From a from a percentage standpoint, and a really bad bogey at 17 as well. Uh-huh. But from a percentage standpoint, even if he makes that bogey at 17, makes the putt and par on 18, being down by two and being down by three heading into Sunday, possibly being in the final group. Now, he wouldn't have been unless he went par, par to come home. But, like, just the situation completely changes with yeah. that single stroke. Now, I'm not saying that won or lost in the tournament, but I will say that the – Let's call it the seven, eight hole stretch from 17, 18 on Saturday to his start on Sunday, bogeying two of the first five. That's yeah. where he lost the tournament because yeah. coming home, he played the rest of the way, I believe, six under, um, had an eagle, had three birdie. Like he, he put the blitz on. He had just dug himself too deep of a hole. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's almost like he was told- lingering in his head, too, when he was because you said he had the slow start on Sunday. It's like that putt was still kind of lingering in his head. And while he wouldn't have won the tournament, I don't think if he makes that putt, I do think that's where it lost it for him. Yeah, if that makes if sense. you if you would have told me that Jordan Spieth um, would have been in that position 12 months ago, I'd say, well, what happened? Because Jordan didn't feel comfortable standing over the golf ball. So for him to have kind of come full circle with this methodical comeback, yeah, we're bummed or I'm bummed because I had a ticket and some golf balls on the line that he doesn't win it here at the Open Championship, but it does bode well for the Ryder Cup, the playoffs, and seasons to come because Jordan Spieth is perhaps the number one attraction with Tiger Woods on the side, on the sideline, and maybe Tiger Woods is He's the most polarizing attraction, that's for sure. I'm not even sure that he's all that. Like, are there that many people who don't like Jordan Spieth? Eh, polarizing. I, I guess I like. Right word. I guess I like him. I guess I like him so much that I'm not even. I'm not even aware of people who don't Pol- like Jordan Spieth. Polarizing Spieth, but is probably the wrong word, but attraction, I guess, would be the right word. Because I think that was one of the, that was sort of how I'll remember this Open Championship too. Coming down the stretch, it was Morikawa, it was Spieth, it was Ustazen, and it was kind of Rom making a charge, trying to post the number. Maybe Rom's a little bit polarizing, but those three guys are like three of the easiest guys in the world to root for: Morikawa, Spieth, and Ustazen. Like, mm-hmm. 
Give me four. Give me three guys. Start to feel bad for Ustazen at this point. Yeah, but it's a total. It's a total uh, Denny Green. They are who we thought they were type situation. Oh yeah. How many times? How many times do you have a two-stroke lead on Sunday at the major? At a major where he's a he's a chip stacker. Um, He's won one time on the PGA Tour and it was the 2010 Open Championship. I think we kind of knew. Maybe you were holding out some hope because okay, this is the event where he did it before and he's been playing so well and so consistently. But Louis Ustazen is not a guy. Louis Ustazen's a guy who needs a three shot lead so he can play defensive golf. He's never going like on seven when he made that bogey and it was a two shot swing and Morikawa took the two shot lead. That was it. There's mm-hmm. no coming back for Louis because he just doesn't have that gear to kick it in. Um, I, I think he, he plays a little bit more of, uh, you know, to make a tennis analogy here, get it over the net and let the guy make the unforced there. He's never going to be the one to beat one down the line on you. Yeah. Um, I think we're, we're a multi, we're a multi-sport podcast. There. I just wanted to prove that point. <laughs> Final kind of takeaways from the British. I know we've talked quite a bit about, you know, the Ryder cup going forward. It was nice to see DJ find his form a little bit. I know he had not the greatest front nine on Sunday. I think it was the front nine on Sunday where he wasn't all that good, but for the most part, he was hanging around. And I thought it was nice to see him back in, not that he hasn't been in contention, but you know, actually looking like himself, playing pretty well. Um, and with the exception of the, the, I think Brooks had a similar start to Jordan on those first five holes. He was two or three over. He had himself a very nice weekend yeah. and then, with the exception of that front nine would have been right there too at the end. I think. See the difference between those two guys though. And I could be a fool for questioning or bringing into question someone's desire to win. I think Brooks, I think Brooks lives and dies with victories. I think, I think, uh, I think that DJ is okay being okay. You know, yeah. I think that DJ, I think that DJ got a taste of being the number one in the world. It's like, yeah, that's cool, man. Like, it didn't necessarily say, I need to stay here. This is my throne. Nobody's taking it from me. It's kind of like, yeah, I'm one of the best in the world. If I got it that week, I got it that week is sort of the approach. Whereas Brooks is like, I am a failure of a human being if I am not holding the trophy at the end of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm fine with both of those guys being that way. I'm not, I'm not saying that Dustin needs to like find a fire in his stomach that he maybe doesn't possess because he's he can be the best in the world without that fire in his stomach still. So, uh, I, But to your point, great to see those guys um, golfing their ball. Great to see Bryson out of this, just completely out of contention because I, I think that he needs to go back to the drawing board on what he wants to be and how he wants to approach the game of golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had the driver stinks moment earlier in the week. Um, you had him. You, apparently, he's lost a bunch of weight now, too. There were some angles of him looking a little bit thinner, so maybe he's going back on the big man science. I don't know. There's just so many moving parts there that it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. But until he figures out um, who he wants to be, I, I, he's he's a really hard guy to root for. Yeah, um, we're gonna have to I, for a couple of days in September. But yeah, I, um, I think that's about all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have another golf-related buy or sell. Do you want to keep this golf-centric for a moment here? I do have another golf-related buy or sell. Don't you? Oh yeah, Olympic golf. I want to, we got the Olympics coming up. So I much wanted, for that uh, pre-production. Well, look, well, I wrote it down, but I wrote it down at the yeah, end of my yeah. list. I was looking what's next on my list. Okay. Uh, pretty simple. We got the Olympics coming up, and they, I know we've had some players preparing more than others. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you the American roster right now. Um, but I remember the last time. Morikawa, DeChambeau. Oh. 
I like Colin. I don't like Bryson. Buy, buy or sell Olympic golf. How, how, how into you, JT, how invested are you going to be into watching? I, uh, uh, we watch, we watch, I'm going to be watching the three M open this weekend. I'm going to be, I, we watched the John Deere the week before. Like I'm in, it's golf. There, mm-hmm. There's tees on the ground and there's a scoreboard. Yes. I'm watching it. Um, am I going to like feign some sort of like, uh, intensity of the moment? Probably not. It just—it's a little bit because it's so new and there's not a ton of history behind Olympic golf. I, I don't know that I can. It's great for the medal count. Like, go root for the Americans. Yes, I'll be watching it. But will I have a pit in my throat like I do on Sunday at the Ryder Cup? No. Um, I, I think that I'm going to be fine with any and all outcomes at the Olympics. Rooting for the Americans. Rooting for good golf. Uh, don't know anything about the course that they're going to be playing. Don't know much about even the setup, but. You know, for for national pride, I'll, I'll buy it and, and we'll be watching it. But uh, I can't say that it's I, I can't say that the intensity of the moment is uh, has dawned upon me yet. Yeah, I think I'm there with you. And like when it's on, I will watch it. But it's it's in Tokyo, so it'll be weird hours again. And it's, I'm not. It's not like you know when oh, Team USA hockey how, or something's playing. To cut you off. To cut ahead. you off. How great! How great! Waking up to major championship golf. Oh, I love like when we're. We start talking about it and having the conversation around master around the masters, like right when the masters finishes, it's like, oh, is anything better than the masters? And then we get to the U.S. Open. It's like, how great is this test at the U.S. Open? And then you get to the PGA, and you're like, yeah, PGA is kind of like the younger, the little brother, but it's yeah, still a it's still fun. And then you get to the Open. I feel like we forget the Open until the Open's happening. Like it is, it's awesome. I love the I love the U.S. Open. But I think the Open Championship is my number two major behind the Masters. I think I the Open think Championship is like almost a 1A behind the Masters. I'm with you depending on where they play the U.S. Open. That's fair. Like this That's year, fair. yes, I, I was in more invested in the British. When they have the U.S. And Open not only, at not only where, or somewhere like that, I'm probably more of a U.S. Open guy. That's and, I, and I'll get on board with that. And it's not only where they play the U.S. Open, but the dynamic of where they play the U.S. Open and where they play the Open Championship. Like this yeah. year, the U.S. Open at Torrey didn't set that high of a bar. And I don't think that Royal St. George's really flexed its muscles at all either. Beautiful test of links golf. We didn't get the weather. The bunkers necessarily didn't suck up a bunch of tee balls. Like you saw more of college drives bound over a couple of, uh-huh. uh, of uh, bunkers, fairway bunkers at opportune times. So maybe the course didn't have that firm fastness that we wanted, but like a course like Royal St. George's requires that more than a course like like the it's at the open or excuse me the open championships at the old course next year St. Andrews and it could be sunny 75 and we won't care because it's the home of golf like St. It, it, it has it has the mystique built in some of these courses um Port Rush was a great look um, love that course Carnoustie is a great look so I think the dynamic of the US Open and Open Championship venues in a given year can dictate my number two uh, behind the Masters. I think that's a really good point, Matt. I'm with you. Uh, let's see. I got some buyer sells here for you as well. Switching uh, dealer's choice here. You want to go basketball? Or you want to go hockey? Well, yeah, let's do basketball. We'll get the, it's 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 pretty time. Uh, it's it's important. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Depending it's, on when you listen to this podcast, you have about uh, a couple hours. What? You have about eight hours until this is dated. But hey, we're, we we like to look we back. We love on our putting out dated material. It's our favorite uh, thing in the world. Matt, buy or sell, Chris Paul would have been better off losing in the conference finals. I, I think that this this NBA finals has been so detrimental to his legacy. 
Um, and yeah, it's two weeks time, but a player can be defined in that two weeks, especially when they only have one trip to the NBA finals. He's been terrible the last yeah. few games, like last four games. There, there's no mincing words. Yeah. Maybe he had 21 points, 11 assists, but like he's been apathetic in his approach to the game. There's been no intensity. He's the leader and he's coming up short and he's leaving his team out there to figure it out. Namely Devin Booker by yourself, by yourself. Chris Paul would have been better off never even appearing in the finals. It's tough. It's because like if it's he revisionist lost, history, but if he loses in the conference finals, though, aren't we kind of saying the same thing? And let, like if, if the Clippers would have come back from down three one, we're kind of saying the same thing. I don't know because he was he was great. He was great throughout that he series. Was, that yeah, it's it's a bad look for him. I, I don't like, know if essentially I can fully I'm asking you, would he been better off losing being great? Than oh, losing that, being terrible on the prob- biggest stage. Probably that. I, I think if he were to do everything he could with this young Suns team and just kind of in the end, the, the young talent faded a little bit and it just wasn't quite enough. Yeah, but like the young guys are kind of doing their part. I think, like we say, like Devin Booker's really, Devin really Booker's good. Devin Booker's been great. Cam Johnson's been great. Ayton's been pretty Deandre solid. Ayton's I mean, been good, but like this team runs when they're you know uh, yeah. on their ball movement on Chris Paul's ability to run the offense. That's kind of what makes what takes them from good to great. And yeah. that's what separated them in these games. And if you look at the score, I, game three was the blowout. Games four, five, and six, like they were kind of right there most of the way. And if you get Chris Paul's A game, you win one, if not two, of those games. And we might not even be having a game. Six. I mean, you don't even need his A game. You need his, his B game. Just don't, his C just plus don't game. turn his the ball over inside two minutes in the game. fourth quarter. Because, like you said, like the, the margin between these two teams has been. A razor's edge, yeah. and like all of the all of the possession statistics tell you that all like this this is a series that has been defined in a couple moments, and those moments have been captured by the Bucks and not by the Suns. Giannis mm-hmm. with the uh, oop at the one end, Giannis with the block in Game Four. Um, Drew like, Holiday with Drew the Holiday with the steal, like. People have been so disrespectful of Drew Holiday scoring. He's been so focused on the defensive end, and I talked about this last podcast, but we saw that in the biggest moment, and that being a decisive moment there in a Game 5 on the road. Now they're presented with an opportunity to get it done here in Game 6. Yeah, the Bucks aren't asking Drew Holiday to go out and drop 20 points a night. They're asking him to play elite defense, which he has, and you know hit the open three when you got it. That's, that's about all they're asking him to do, and he's doing that to perfection. And it's working because Giannis yep. is so incredibly good, and Chris Middleton's hitting his shots. When, when that's happening, the Bucks are a really hard team to beat. But the Suns, like we said, have been there the whole time. Chris Paul just hasn't been able to pull his weight. And it's sad because he's done it the whole year through the conference finals, even games one and two. I mean, game one, he was insanely good. And it's like, it's like the Monstars came and like took away his talent or something. And I think one of the really interesting wrinkles to this, and I've, you know, some people have brought it up, but it's it worth saying here, Chris Paul, this off season wanted to go to Phoenix the Milwaukee Bucks showed a ton of interest in Chris Paul when they were shopping for a point guard. They were, they were kind of between Drew Holiday or picking up a huge contract on Chris Paul. And it ended up that Chris Paul ended up making his own decision and wanted to go to Phoenix. But really interesting if he would have been on the Milwaukee side of things here, if he'd be costing them a championship or if, if Phoenix would even be in this situation. It's all the butterfly effect. But sort of interesting that his two options were Milwaukee and Phoenix and we're watching him – Kind of fumble the bag here for Phoenix. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I got one for you then tonight, just if we want to keep on the NBA Finals theme. Let's do it. Uh, pretty simple and straightforward. Buy or sell the Bucks. close out the series tonight. 
uh, I've been wrestling this with this one, and I think I think I buy it. I I I really really think you're going to get Phoenix's best punch here, but I don't know that it's going to be enough. It might be a speed like punch, uh, and we got a Morikawa already set there with three wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that uh, that's a callback right there. Um, I think that's good work. It's like you work in the biz. Just how good Milwaukee has been at home. I mean, they're outscoring opponents by like 12 points per game in home games this uh, postseason. They've lost one game this postseason. It was game one against Atlanta. It was one of those crazy Trey Young games. A couple whistles that went Atlanta's way. They've just been dominant on Homewood. I think that place is going to be rocking, knowing that they could capture their first championship in a half century. I think that the city's going to be buzzing. Like I said, I think you're going to get the best version of the Suns. I just don't think it's going to be enough tonight. If you're saying on the money line, yeah, give me the bucks here to close it out in game six. I am on the Suns plus the five. I think it was, was I like what that. I got it at. I, I think it's a close game. And I, I like everything you're saying makes sense. And that's for some reason why I want to say the Suns win tonight and extend the series to seven just because a lot of the playoffs so far haven't made a whole lot of sense to me. I'm and rooting it's, it's for seven. Like well I always am when there's not a Chicago team. You yeah, know? I, I'd love to see seven. I, 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 do, I really, truly don't know what's going to happen tonight. I just I think it's going to be a very close game, and it's probably going to depend on what Chris Paul we get. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays all. out tonight at, uh, what is it, Pfizer? Pfizer Forum. Pfizer friend, friend of the podcast, most uh, reoccurring guest, Mark Shanowski. I don't know if you saw on social media, his uh, his daughter works uh, for a news station in mm-hmm. Milwaukee. He was uh, out out and about in Milwaukee for, I believe it was game four. Uh, in, in the not in the stadium, but I believe you know, at at, uh, at the bar, Jake exploring uh, de- the, uh, deer district, deer adjacent. district, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a friend of the pod, Mark Shanowski, out there enjoying the Bucks. Good for him. You, got, you, you love to see it. A couple couple burgers at Sobelman's, maybe soak up a few of those beers the next day. Um, sounds like a lovely time. Sounds like a great time. Some curds, some curds. It's going to be cheese curds falling from the sky here if they can get it done in game six. That we do know. Then uh, I might have other... to go there if cheese curds are falling from <laughs> the sky. Some other... It's a short drive, Matt. Matt. It's a fair drive. Uh, we've got some other topics to get to here. Expansion draft, Seattle Kraken, going to bring their team uh, into focus here in the coming days. There's been some, some big stories following, you know, player protection and some big names that were not protected by franchises, mm-hmm. one of them being Carey Price by the Canadiens. Uh, he was really the only reason that they were in the Stanley Cup final this year. Oh, yeah. No disrespect to Cole Caulfield and, nope, he got him and, there. and Nick Suzuki, but that was that was goaltending, as it always is in the NHL and in the playoffs. So I will ask you this question, Matt. Buy or sell, breaking the bank on a goalie in an expansion draft? Because Price does carry some money with him, but if you're trying to build a team, are you building around that goalie? Man, he's such a good one. And like when I first saw this, I thought it might be a lock that they do go out and get him. Like when you saw Vegas, uh, when they did their expansion draft, I believe Marc Andre Fleury was yeah. their first pick. And granted, he wasn't ten and a half million, but at the time, his I think his contract seven and a half now. At that time, seven and a half for a goalie is about what ten and a half for a goalie means. Um, Inflation I, is killer. I think if Carey Price, Price's contract had a year less on it, I, I believe it goes through 24, 25, so you're still carrying like three, four years left on that deal for a 33-year-old goalie. Carey. I think you take it. Nice. Um, <laughs> I 
I just don't. They, I think they pass on it. I, there's rumors they already have a deal in place with uh, Chris Drager, who was a guy who split time in Florida this year under yep. Coach Q for three and three and a half. And I think 14 mil for your two goalies is, is a lot. And I think if you look where Vegas is now, how quickly they were able to get good, it's because they took on some, some cap and some money. But now they're in a little bit of cap trouble themselves. And, and Marc-Andre Fleury's a contract they're trying to unload. So I think you kind of use that as, yeah, but, as something to look ahead towards. But here's the situation, Matt. Do you want to be good and in cap hell potentially? Or do you want to be bad with cap space? Because, I, I, I think because, what, because point to me a team that's been consistently good and has not gone through the loops and, and jumped through the hoops of of the salary cap in today's like Tampa's going to have to do it this offseason. Mm-hmm. The Blackhawks had to do it. Boston had to do it with some guys. If you want to be good, you've got to pay the money. You're going to be up against the cap. So and then you got to make some that, that I agree with, but there there's going to come a time to where like they could make some decision if they don't take on the 10 and a half mil for carry price, they can make some decisions like, like with Tampa and say, Hey, I will take so and so. I think uh, Yanni Gord was the big name. He's making like five and a half. The, the one rumor that they might take that's unprotected. Like, hey, I'll take him from you, but then you got to give me, you know, uh, this defenseman in your system. Otherwise, I'm just going to take somebody else that I like that isn't a cap hit, and I'm going to keep you in cap hell. So they're going to have. It's the same just thing like Vegas actually many, did. How many saves a night is Yanni Gord going to make? It, it starts. Yanni Gord was the main reason why the Lightning had a shutdown line in the playoffs. I get it starts there, Fine, but, but like, if you can find ways to build your team and get some good players while having that cat flexibility, it might mean a little bit more than having one good goalie. That said, if they do, it also probably has something to do with the fact that let Carey me put it Price this way. Is, well, Carey Price has the knee and the hip injury, and there's That's no guarantee he's too. ready for next year. So if that's, that's something they're also too, concerned about, you might not be able to commit to that. Take Yanni Gord off of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do they still win this year? Probably. Take Vasilevsky off the Lightning. Do they win this year? Probably not. Probably not. I, I just I just put a premium on goaltending, especially if you're trying to build a team that's going to contend right away. Do they make this decision? Probably not. Do I think they should? I think they should because I'm not the one signing the checks. I, if I were making the decision, uh, I get, I'm, I'm more speaking now with the knowledge that they already reportedly have a yeah. deal for a goalie for three by three and a half. If I'm making the decision, I would probably go with Carey Price and try and find and take, you know, a young goal. Wait, maybe that's Malcolm Subban from the Hawks who's making like under a million dollars. I might go that route, but knowing that they already have three and a half committed, I just don't see them committing 14 plus million to goalies. Yep, I'm not saying it's the point. right decision. I'm just saying that's what I think they do. Matt, reading the tea leaves for us here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Episode I'm excited to watch that, by the way. I, I, might be, extravaganza. I might be in the minority. I'm very excited to yeah, watch that. Yeah, you let me know how that goes. I will. You'll, you'll, be, know, you'll be in Chicago. You'll be, you'll be with the family. You'll, you'll be I, can't say you're, I, I can't say you're going to get a text back, but let me know how that goes. You'll see. You'll read it at least. <laughs> uh, we got a couple more topics to get to here, Matt. Do you have any other buyers? I, I have one. I got NFL two baseball. Training. I got a training camp, and that's all I got. So hit me with a baseball. You want? Uh, you want? I guess I got one Sox slash Cubs, and I got one Cubs. Which one would you like? Surprise me. Okay, uh, Javi Baez. Uh, reports Bye. coming out that he's at, oh, interesting. <laughs> I, you might not say it after I, after I read the question. No, I know. Yes. Uh, he wants reportedly $200 million from the Cubs. Yeah. I think I know the answer, and I think most people do too, but have to ask you buy or sell. Javi Baez is a $200 million player because that's what he wants. Reportedly. Uh, I buy that he's maybe 60% of that type of player. He is not that player. No. Um, so I'm selling it. Now, 
is there a two hundred million dollar market for Javi Baez? I don't I think that exists don't, anywhere. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think that the New York Mets have that have that type of. Uh, they do have that type they of have money. Have Steve money, Cohen, haven't just taken. You don't want to send it, spend it. It's just a little bit unrealistic. I'm definitely selling on that, especially with kind of what we've seen in terms of his production uh, this season and in terms of his production over the last couple seasons. I'm just pulling up his... Uh, I, I, got his I got the numbers up here. Ooh, 2018 was his, you know, the, the year we finished MVP was second to Christian Yelich where he had the 34 and 111. Yeah. His, his other, his years, his two years before that, 14 homers, 59 RBI. He had an OPS of 737. After that, 23, 75, 796 OPS. Year after the MVP, uh, 29 homers, 85 RBIs, OPS 847. Still good. Pandemic year, so whatever you know. Eat. Yeah, you totally knock him, but still OPS under 600. This year, he's got 21 homers, 59 uh, RBIs. He's OPSing under 800, and he still strikes out. He strikes. He struck out already. That's, that's he's on pace for his, his career bat. high in strikeouts, 123. Yeah. And quite honestly, his fielding has started to go down a little bit too. Yeah, uh, he's. I'd say he's still a plus defender for sure. Oh, 100. But, but he's not the. He's not the Francisco Lindor lock goal glove that people have said he is. No, in terms of OPS, his 773 is obviously serviceable uh, and above serviceable. Exactly. but not $200 se- million. It's, it's 79th in the league amongst qualified defenders, or amongst qualified players. Javi Baez's OPS is 79th, is the 79th player. If we're saying OPS is the most, I mean, you could talk about Ward, or you could talk about Ambe, whatever, wherever you're placing level of importance, OPS is obviously a huge metric now. Mm-hmm. The 79th player, by that very predictive metric, is not worth $200 million. Yeah, and like he's not this young kid anymore. He's going to be 29 years old, and if he wants $200 million, that means he wants you know six years. Are you, but that's, all, that's yeah. also it. That's also it. Is, I don't want to say. This is, this is Javi Baez's contract. This is the one that sets up yeah. generations of wealth for his family. So if he can find $200 million somewhere on the open market, more power to him. Yeah, um, I, I just don't know that that market exists. I think, I think you'd look for a buyer and pretty much tell him, hey, go try. We're going to send a year. Go find your contract and we'll be in touch with you on July 1st. Or not July 1st. I don't know why I said July 1st. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch with you in the winter and if, if it works out and you can't get that deal and you're still interested in us, great. We'd love to have you back. And if you find it, later. Like, it's it's do you not know, worth it. Do you know who Javi Baez is this season? And this is – I'm using this as a as a comparison of respect and admiration for a friend of the podcast, Nicky Lopez. Nicky Lopez? Lopez? Nicky Lopez hitting 274, on-base percentage north of 356, slugging 336, but that's not Nicky's game. Mm-hmm. OPS is – Kicking just below seven, like that's and and he's been a better defender than Javi Baez this year. So if you want to compare shortstop to shortstop, somebody that I know personally that that we know well, um, who's really carved out a career for himself this season with Kansas City and taken advantage of this last fifty game stretch, it's in like three fifty six over the last fifty games. Nicky Lopez, he's been the fourth best hitter in baseball over the last month and a half, and. Now, he's going to be up for arbitration next year, and there's going to be contractual things to figure out, and maybe he doesn't have that second in the MVP voting year yet uh, to his credit. But in terms of production this season, Javi Baez needs to be 
a a one plus. He needs to be a one o o o p s if he wants two hundred million dollars. That's all. Yeah. That's that's the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, and he's just he's not going to get it. And if that's what he wants, but you do look to shop. Give him the two hundred million dollars, and then give Nicky Lopez the two hundred million dollars. Fair. How about I'm that? in with that. How about that? I would agree with that. Or uh, vice it, versa. It, give it, Nicky the two hundred, and then give Javi the two hundred. Uh, either way, just as long as Nicky's getting two hundred. That's it. Uh, what do you got for me? Uh, yeah, but totally selling on on, on Javi the two hundred million dollars. Uh, buy or sell, or hit me with your other. Let's keep it baseball because keep I'm it baseball centric. All right, well, we're we're going to stick Cubs here, but also involve the Sox. Craig Kimbrell's a guy that's probably headed out of town, or, or will at least command a uh, a deal at the deadline. Craig Kimbrell mm-hmm. to the White Sox makes sense because in theory, it does, but. There's also the Who's rumor report. In theory, in theory, he strengthens your bullpen. Am I wrong? To be a setup guy That's for Liam the question. Hendricks? Is, 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 does he want to be a setup guy? Would you make the move strictly based on talent? I mean, I couldn't sell this anymore. It's, it's a redundancy. And if you're going to have an issue inside the bullpen of I'm the closer, I'm the closer, I'm the closer, it's so important to know who your closer is and make sure that's an effective individual. We have that figured out. Liam Hendricks leads the American League in saves. He's been fantastic. Have there been a couple shaky outings? Yes, but he is the guy. And just as important as your guy being effective is your guy knowing he's the guy. Bringing somebody in that casts any sort of doubt around that, I think, could be detrimental to the ball club. Uh, right now, the White Sox, yes, they're buyers, and we've talked about middle relief being kind of what they need. I don't even think that. I don't even think that Kimbrel fits middle relief. Like you're you're going to get another guy in your, your bullpen that can only give you four outs. Like I don't think we need that. I sell it. Yeah, I. If Craig Kimbrell was fully on board and truly fully on board and there was not a question that he was about being a setup guy, I would say, all right, I'm in. But I just don't think that's the case. And you yeah. can't ask your all-star closer to make room for a guy that, granted, is having no, a no, really no, no, good no. year, was pretty bad last year. And, you know, is this kind of diva has a big ego and needs to be a closer? I, I don't just I don't see it happening. I also think the price tag is going to be very high. I would much rather, if I'm talking to the Cubs, ask them about – Maybe about Javi Baez, maybe about Chris Bryant in addition Javi, to yeah. Andrew Chafin, their left-hander who's having a really good year. Get get another left-hander to give Aaron Bummer a little bit of a, a – Trevor not, Story. I would, <laughs> I would be, Story. I'd be fine with Excuse talking me. to Trevor Story something too. something in my throat. You might not have to give up too much for Trevor Story because the Rockies probably just don't want to pay that money and they know they're losing him. Um, yeah. I, that's another team I'd be talking to. But if you, if we're talking bullpen from the Cubs, checkbook, Jerry. it's not Craig Kimbrell. Go get like Andrew Chafin and talk about some of their guys that they might else be trying to deal. I just I, as good as Craig Kimbrell this year, I don't know if there's a fit in the bullpen for him. No, I, I don't think it's a fit. I don't think that it addresses a need. Um, you could try and fit. You could try and fit him into a role that he doesn't want or that doesn't he doesn't fit in. And I think that could again be detrimental. I'm selling it. Yeah, it, it's. Unfortunate that he doesn't want to would reportedly doesn't want to have a role because if he did, he'd also be like how many how many like hard how many like I'm not gonna say hard to deal with but like, like how many dudes with idiosyncrasies do we need how many like like Hendrix is already a, a barrel of fun you know Love that he guy. brings enough intensity he brings enough of uh, a fire and enough of a uh, volatility in terms of like not his performance, but volatility in terms of like his personality and like, mm-hmm. what he's going to give you. Uh, we don't need the guy hanging his arm out like Rod Beck. We don't need like we, just, just, 
and how many how many pitcher transactions can we you have go cross town that are probably going to go wrong. We were on the right side of the Quintana deal. Let's not be on the wrong side of the deal here, you know? Let's also, just kind of steer clear of all of that north side problem. You've just you've had a clubhouse, too, that has been fantastic all year. They have as good a chemistry as you can possibly imagine. They have this next-man-up mentality, which has been so incredibly awesome to see. It's just, it, I don't want to take the risk of spoiling that. And no. That's no, it's probably that not, especially yeah. when there's other bullpen guys out there who've been pretty good this year that you probably go out and find. Are you? I don't want to roll that dice. Are, are, are you already engraving TLR on Manager of the Year award? Is that what I'm hearing right now? I, I think mean, I think the tea leaves are telling me that. I mean, you, who who in the AL is ahead of them right now? No, I, it's just it, it's just going to be. I mean, would the would the powers that be have the stones to give it to Alex Cora? Like. After he was banned from, you know, that's that's the only other name out there. I I don't know if I who who, I don't know who votes on it, but I don't think anybody's going to want to vote for Alex Gore on it. But he's the other name that's out there. It's got to be. Yeah, if it's it's the baseball writers of America, no, you know they're going to scoff at him. I mean, they love them some. They love them a legacy vote. They they love them some Hall of Famers, the guys that they put into the Hall of Fame. Um, Again, we've said it before. Got to credit the guy. He's done a great job this year. You saw him 100%. last night in the walk-off celebration last night. Gavin Sheets gave him a big old hug. The clubhouse likes him, so clearly he's not having a problem identifying with the young guys. It's uh, it's it's been fun to watch. Looking he's, forward he, to it. I think it's those south those south side jerseys really just pulled everyone together. Oh, uh, Johnny, cousin cousin of the podcast, Johnny Rooney ran into Larusa the other week. He's uh, apparently a West Loop guy. He's walk, walking that. right right down Madison Street by Crossroads. Saw Tony Larusa and said, "Hey, hey." Yeah, he's, uh, Tony even said, "Hey, Tony," but he said, "Hey, great job this year." He's like, "Thanks." Tony was Tony was just stumbling out of Soho House. Uh, and just had a nice Tony, brunch. But... Tony is not a Soho House guy. <laughs> Tony's more of a third grade kind of guy. Oh God, uh, Matt, I got one more for you here. Training camp set to start in about a week's time. Football is back. Uh, we're going to have plenty of time God, to talk about the wait. Chicago Bears, but that is not what I'm asking you because I know we're buying everything right now. Buy or sell. Oh Aaron Rodgers reports to training camp at any point. I'm going to sell. I'm just I'm emotionally diving into in, into this take, you know, head have first. To. I have to, have to because I have bought into it so far and I just at this point I need to ha- I need it to happen. I need I need Aaron Rodgers to be done, not go to Green Bay. I do think that report that I, I was a little bit, was this about money, all that kind of stuff. And Adam Schefter's reporting that he turned down an offer to extend him, you know, to what would be a five-year deal and make him the richest quarterback in the NFL. He said no. There's that something deeper to it. And I just, I truly think that 99% of the quarterbacks could not say no to money and, and playing. I just think Aaron Rodgers is kind of a weird dude. And I think he's truly dead set on, and if he's not where he wants to be, I'm good. I think he's fine. I really do. It's just it, – it, it was – I think that was such a huge moment there, find, learning that he turned down a contract because that was one of the angles. It was like, uh-huh. oh, he wants to be the highest paid guy in the league. It had nothing to do with Jordan Love. Well, now we know it has everything, everything. to do with them drafting Jordan Love. It is one, 99% of his issues are surrounded with him, uh, with, with the team selecting Jordan Love. And I'd say the other 1% – is them not getting him help because they suggest, because they took Jordan Love? Like it's yeah, like, that's you know, at the root. Of, that's at the root of the issue. And I believe the more I hear these things, the more I believe it. Say 
I'm going to go over Gunku's head here and say, if you want Aaron Rodgers being your quarterback, you get rid of your GM. I think that's the ultimatum. That's I truly, I, I don't. There's no factual reporting behind that, but it totally. No, there totally there have been reports that said like that's the situation. There have been reports saying he wants Gutenkus. Obviously, he's never come out and officially said it, but that that has been a but reported said that rumor. And if I'm, this, then that I'm with type you. situation. And, and it's yeah. if two years ago was two years ago that if you know they take a wide receiver at wherever they were, or they trade up for a receiver, and then you know in the second round Jordan Love falls them, and they take Jordan Love. I don't think we're having this talk because you can talk no, to Aaron and be like, hey, guy, we got your receiver. Now we need a guy that's going to be here in a few, four or five years when you're when you're you know moving on that you can you know, train whatever. You get that, but you traded up for a quarterback. And now I think if we want to go even deeper on buying into this storyline here, Matt, the logical place to go is putting yourself in Brian Gutenkun's shoes right now because he's got a lot of tough decisions to make, but – if you're Brian Gutenkust and you hear that it's, well, we either got to get rid of the GM or we got to trade the quarterback, and you're the GM. So you're sitting there. You the better only, hurry up and the trade only, your quarterback. The only person in the world that you care about more than your quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, is you and your job, Brian Gutenkust, being the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, regardless if 12 is your quarterback or not. That's the only person that you're putting in front of Aaron Rodgers. So do we really think that Brian Gutenkust is going to step down and say, you know what, for the betterment of this team and Aaron Rodgers being a Green Bay Packer, I'm stepping down, I'm leaving the Green Bay Packers. I don't think there's an ice cube's chance in hell that that happens. I think that he is shopping Aaron Rodgers. I think that he is on the phone. I think that he is trying to make this thing work with Denver. I think that there might be uh, still some, some phone calls happening with the Raiders because they'll do some crazy shit at the drop of a hat. Uh, Mike Mayock and John Gruden will. Mm-hmm. I really think that Brian Gutenkus is in all systems go trade this quarterback mode right now. All right, so we'll let, I guess we can end it on this. We'd be both selling that he reports the Green Bay Packers camp. Buy or sell he reports to a camp, and which camp is it? Buy Denver. Okay. I think that if you're telling me, a, if you're saying a month-long camp here, um, I think that the deal gets done in the next month, and I think he's in Denver because Denver hasn't done anything drastic at the quarterback position to tell us that they're out of the running there. Not that there's many moves that can be made at this point, but um, I, I really think that I really think there was enough reporting surrounding that that uh, maybe there's not a deal in place. Maybe they haven't come to exact terms yet, but everything is moving that direction from what I can read. Interesting. I like that. I'm going to I. I think my. Are you gut, just saying my, no football? No, no, no. My my gut feeling is it's one of those two teams that you mentioned because we've seen John Elway get creative and go out and get his quarterback when he needs to with, with Peyton Manning. We've seen Mike Mayock and John Gruden pull out some crazy stunts, and then they're not afraid to be aggressive. I just the team out there that still makes so much sense to me that hasn't been talked about but is still there is Miami. It makes all the sense in the world for me. It's a winnable division, more winnable than the AFC West. You have that young quarterback in Tua you can trade as well. I'm not sure Derek Carr is that appealing to Green Bay because of the contract, and he doesn't really want to be anywhere else but Vegas. And you have Jordan Love. I just Miami makes a lot of sense. So if there was if there was a good big plus money bet on it, I think I'd bet Aaron Rodgers in Miami. But if I had you know had to put smart money on it, it's probably going to be Denver. I'd love to see Miami. Um, That would draw a direct 
schism between the Musso family. Um, we have some we have some Green Bay Packers fans. Uh, we have some Miami Dolphins fans, and I would just love to watch the world burn for a few days while that deal went down. Um, so that's just from a personal standpoint there. But uh, yeah, that it just, just makes it sense just feel, to me. It just feels like no, it totally does. It just feels like anywhere but Green Bay right yeah. now. That's what it's feeling like. Plus, I just. I love the Bills. I, I like watching them play. Josh Allen's awesome. I want to see a rivalry in that division, and I just don't see it with the Patriots right now. If you go give me Aaron Rodgers and the Dolphins versus Josh Allen and the Bills twice a year, I would love that. Plus, I can see Rodgers yeah, in, those, think, in those teal uniforms. I think he'd look great with dynamite. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get into some divisional breakdowns in the coming weeks here, and I think that um, I think that I, the Bills are. It, it's the shortest odds they've ever had to win uh, the Super Bowl since they were in it for four years in the 90s. They're, I believe, 13-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl this year. Um, a lot of hype around them. A lot. They're one of my fades. I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to take a massive step be forward from and what three. they were last year. Yeah. And they don't, they don't know, but, but they, don't necessarily, they don't necessarily have to take a massive step forward. But um, there's some scheduling things that will get in their way. There's some uh, – I, I think you got to – I think you're going to have two much harder football games with the Patriots this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you have crossovers now with the uh, NFC South. You're going to have to play Brady. Um, yeah, like there's, it, it's just not a layup. You know, it's just not a layup. It's not an assumed thing how we've made it out to be. So, uh, we're like I said, we'll dig into that all in the coming weeks. But um, just as long as uh, Aaron Rodgers is out of the NFC North, that's the only breakdown we need today. Yeah, I really hope that happens. Hey, maybe we're because you know. We're kind of jinxed with news breaking right after we stop recording the pod. Maybe in like mm-hmm. two hours, Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded. Okay. Uh, I'm Not that I wouldn't want to be at the forefront of that story, but I will be at work here in two hours. Can, you call it, can we call it three hours? Because we'll call it I, five. I get five work, hours. Five hours would be perfect. I get to work in two hours. So nothing's worse than breaking news when you walk into the building and you're rushing That's, to like no, put I some could, makeup on, put more. your suit on, try and get some semblance of who we're going to be talking to the question. Give me, let me, give me a little bit of, give me a little bit of leeway. Give me now, a little now bit of for uh, me, the, the worst time, the worst experience now, granted I wasn't putting the suit or the makeup on, but getting, you know, getting there to get everything ready and all that stuff. When I, when I was back in production was I think like, you should do some makeup though. It was like, like to produce. I probably could. I couldn't just hurt. Like, powder, just a light powder. Get, getting, getting the breaking news like an hour before I was going into work, so you got to stop what you're doing, kind of scramble, get ready quickly, get into work and hustle. Yeah, and no, then work, you're work to start it. You know? I didn't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. But, okay, five hours for Joe's sake at 6.15, breaking news here on the Moose and Roots podcast, 6.15 Central Time on Tuesday, July 20th. Aaron Rodgers has been traded to the Denver Broncos. You heard it here first. Please credit Moose and, and Roots when this happens. I swear to God, happen, if that happens, you have to. It's legally If you're binding. listening to this before that happens, uh, tune in at 6.15, the CBS Sports HQ, for full coverage. And if that happens I after, or if you're if you're listening to this after 6.15, head on over to YouTube at CBS Sports HQ and check out the full wrap-up of Aaron Rodgers, potentially, hypothetically, I think if it happens, traded. I think if it happens on air, you technically have to credit me as the source. Uh, I, I have it. to... I have to break, I have to say this first reported by the Moose and Runes podcast, Matt Rooney, yep. uh, two hours and fifteen minutes before it happened. Yep, I will. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm putting it out there now. Source: Aaron Rodgers has been traded to Denver. Love it. Love, it. Love a good source. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode two fifteen 
of the Moose and Nunes podcast, a buy or sell extravaganza. Uh, we want to get into that mailbag. We want to do more buy or sells, but that is at the mercy of you, the valued listeners of the Moose and Nunes podcast. We appreciate you guys, as always, for tuning in. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up uh, on our personal. Anywhere that you can find Moose and or Runes or Moose and Runes, send us those questions. Oh, get involved because football season is right around the corner for Matt. I'm Joe. Matt, say goodbye to the people. Later. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.